the blast from our past network. What did you say your name was? Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. According to this, his name's Lewis Tully. Lives on Central Park West. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. This is the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me today is co-host Dean. What's up, Dean? Hey, what's up, Tim? How's it going? Good. Good as always. It's always always Did... happy time when podcasting comes around. Oh, for sure. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Did busting make you feel good? Did busting make me feel good? Yeah. Um, I assume that's from this movie at some point. <laughs> I'm gonna, from the theme song. I'm gonna of this say movie. I'm gonna say no because I don't know what? I don't exactly know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, why don't you sing it for me, Dean, so I, uh, to jog my memory? Uh, busting definitely made me feel good. Okay, sing it for you. Okay. Busting makes me feel good. Oh yeah, now I feel good. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, we're kicking off October, even though it's the second week. Uh, we had to get our ninja movie out of the way week one. And, Gotta do it. And while <laughs> yes, and while there were some very terrifying and spooky things in that movie, uh, we're here today to sort of officially kick off our October, where we like to do spooky, creepy, terror-filled episodes for the entire month long. Hell yeah! Now over on Patreon, we'll have a terrifying episode, as well as our annual Halloween special. Which I don't know about you, Dean, but that is usually my favorite episode of the year. It is the best episode of the year. The, my favorite episode usually. Last year, I I almost died during it, Tim. So I'm hoping that I don't die during this this year's recording. I feel like most years we almost die. Yeah, most years we almost die um, from other other reasons. Oh, were you um, sick last year? Usually. Yeah, usually it's okay. the content that almost kills us. <laughs> yeah. But last year, I had some sort of virus that almost killed me. Okay. One time, I almost got burned alive. That, that happened, yeah. And then I was cut, lacerated another time. Yeah. Great times. Super fun. So if you want to be a part of that, listeners, uh, head on over to Patreon and sign up at our double feature level to unlock those episodes and to help support us here at Talking Back. But... Today, Dean already let the cat out of the bag because Bustin was making him feel good. And yeah. we're going to talk about an all-time classic today. I can't believe we took so long to get to it. I don't know what our problem is, 
but we're doing <laughs> Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. Definitely an all-timer. Definitely an all-timer for me. Now, this might come as a, a bit of a surprise. I wasn't into this movie as a kid. It's it's not a huge surprise. Um, it's a bit of a surprise. It's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I don't know. It it never clicked with me for some reason. I I feel like I feel like if I had seen it one year later, it would have been perfect. But I just saw it right. just a bit too early. Yeah. Um, I was uh, a Ghostbusters two guy though. That was my jam. I have never seen it. Oh, I've never really? seen Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I am. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that problem. Uh, and I'm going to watch it very shortly, I think. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I really like that movie. It's, you know, it's quite different. It's obviously not as good, but I think it's a solid movie. This is a big one for me, this movie, because uh, I couldn't really watch horror movies, but I was really into the idea of horror stories. And uh, it was this and Gremlins were like the oh, two yeah. movies that I felt like I could handle that were still spooky. Like they still scared me for sure. Oh, for sure. This movie really scared me, but it was like that level that, you know, is good. You know, it's that level of scared that you want to have as a kid. And I couldn't do that usually with other movies, but this one I could. So I really, really loved Ghostbusters. Yeah, nice. Um, I was, however, a huge fan of this soundtrack. Oh, yeah. And I, like, one of uh, older brother's friends who was on, like, his baseball team, um, I went with dad over to their place one day something baseball related. I just tagged along and he took me into his room and he opened up his like cassette tape carrier and he had everything, like everything, everything new that you could imagine that nobody could afford. It's hard to afford two cassette tapes at that time. And he had like a box of 24 of his favorites. Then he had a whole bunch on the ground, you know, overflow. And he said to me, you can choose one cassette tape for my collection and you can have what? it. What? How, Who is this how nice is mythical that? Mythical figure. <laughs> this Seriously. guy doesn't exist. How nice is that? I couldn't That's even amazing. believe it. So yeah, I wow. picked I picked Ghostbusters. Amazing. And damn, dude. It was like one of the five cassette tapes that I owned. And I would nice. just play the shit out of that cassette. Yeah, man. I would lie on my floor just listening to it over and over again. That makes sense. Uh, the air supply jam. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. There's great, great music in this. In I this can movie. wait forever if you say you'll be there too. You know that one? Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed I can it, wait forever if you will. I know it's worth it all. To spend my life alone with oh, good, you. Good tune. Dude, I'd good lie tune. I'd lie on my floor and just listen yeah. to that over and over again and cry. You know, and I don't <laughs> wow. I don't know why. This is such a beautiful song. Wow. And just oh, feeling the emotion. I was into it. I was I don't even know what the fuck they were talking about, but I was like, I, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna yeah. wait forever. I am. I'm totally yeah. down with, with waiting forever. The, yeah. I don't know you about knew- what, but I'm doing it. I'm committed. You knew that a lot. You knew a lot was put into that song. Oh yeah. You knew all the feelings were in it. You're like, I'm feeling it. I don't know what they're talking about, but I can feel exactly. it, and I'm gonna do it. I, I can feel it, and I'm on board. I, I'm. I'm on board. I'm with all this. in. In fact, fuck yeah. it. I'm all in. Great. I uh, can't wait to figure out what the hell they're talking about. But um, 
I, I found an air supply CD in the back of your car one day. And I was like, oh, Hell cool. Yeah. Dean likes air supply. And I was like, what's up with that CD? You like air supply? And you were like, oh, no, someone gave that to me as a gag gift. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was, shit. Um, he doesn't like air supply. It was uh, a listener of the podcast uh, and, and patron member, uh, John. Oh, hey, shout out to John. Yeah, John's the best. Great gift. Great gift, John. He, Except he got it, me air supply <laughs> and, and the octagon <laughs> oh, on nice. the same birthday. Ooh, wow. Yeah. And a card and a card that said like, happy second birthday. And he had just scratched out the ND and put a zero. So it said like, happy 20th birthday. Oh, very nice. Very yeah, nice. It was a card for a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, he thought he was getting you a gag gift, but little did he know he gave you one hell of a CD. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he thought it was a gag gift. Oh, okay. But, uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm with. If John it likes paired, that, I'm with John. I, it's a, it's a great. Yeah, it, it great album. It paired very well with, uh, you know, Chuck Norris, The Octagon. It's not necessarily was they were a gag. It wasn't necessarily a gag gift, but like they were things that I, I had not, uh, I had not expressed interest in before that. Okay, I have an idea. Yeah, you should put on The Octagon, put it on mute, and listen to the Air oh, Supply yeah. CD and see how that goes. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that. I bet that would be really good. Probably I bet that'd be a lot of fun. Very nicely. Oh, yeah. Probably more fun than just watching the Octagon. Yeah. Probably. Uh, I can wait. Okay, I'm going to stop that. Uh, what do you think the ratio... It's not even a special, it's not even a special episode and we've both sang I know. Well, you know what? We mentioned uh, like a Halloween special and uh, yeah. I know it's usually the Christmas episode where we sing, but yeah. a special episode popped in. No... It had nothing to do with that, dude. This song just moves me. I'm not going to lie. Just you. Yeah. I, I listened to it half a dozen times already today. Excellent. I fell in love with it all over again. I was, I was crying <laughs> on my floor again. <laughs> again, re- recommitted to waiting forever. I had forgotten my vow to wait forever. Wow. wow. Somewhere along my path. I lost that. You forgot, that. Tim. T- you lost your way. I lost my you way. Needed to, you needed to find your way again. I'm back on the path. Yes. Who is who is this cassette owner guru um, that that he probably doesn't even know you enriched your life I so know, much. I know. I know. It's he true. He made your life so much better. You have a path. It's you true. You have a path that you're going to be back on now. He probably doesn't even know. Yeah, I know that that Amazing. changed my entire life. The course of my entire Amazing. life. Wow. What if I had grabbed something different? Yeah. Who knows? It could have been like. I could be living in another world right now. You probably wouldn't have a podcast. Probably not. No. I have a question for you, Dean. Is yeah. this a near perfect, if not perfect movie? Yep, for sure. Yeah. I, that's, I an, that's an easy question. I, agree. I didn't say it was hard. I just said I have a question that for was, you. That was a softball. <laughs> that was a softball. Lobbed yeah. that, you lobbed that one in there and I took it <laughs> over the fence. <laughs> Yeah, of course it's it's near perfect or not or perfect. Of course. Of course. Uh, the original story was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's fascination with and belief in the paranormal. His family even had a long history with the paranormal. His father wrote a book called A History of Ghosts. His mother claimed to have seen ghosts. His grandfather experimented with radios to contact the dead. And his great-grandfather was a renowned spiritualist. So I think this is one of the key factors to making this movie so great is that this was a passion project for Dan Aykroyd. You know, it was something that he loved. It was something that he believed in. 
And he wanted to make it really good. And he put all his efforts into that. And that definitely came through on the screen. Exactly. It came through on the screen. That's what makes Ray so great in this movie is he's so earnest. You know, he just absolutely is so devoted to all this. Everything like blows his mind that he sees. And he and it's knowing that Dan Eckerd also thought that like in in reality, it makes it even better. You know, you actually watch it and you're like, he is getting really excited about this. And he is, you know, he's just so earnest on the screen. And uh, yeah, it really comes through and makes his performance just perfect. Yep, agreed. Now, released in 1984 with a budget of $30 million, this film grosses $295 million. Hot damn. That's a lot wow. of money. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, this this was this was high on the list for like biggest money makers of all time uh, when you calculate for inflation. Okay, just a, yeah. just a, a mega hit. Yeah, for sure. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, uh, best original song, and the best visual effects. Awesome! It did not win best original song. It did not. What? That went to Stevie Wonder, who uh, did I Just Called to Say I Love You from a movie, The Woman in Red. Now, as good as the Ghostbusters song is, I would tend to agree with the Academy on this one. I Just Called yeah, to Say I good. Love You is an amazing song. It's a Don't good make song. me sing it, because I will. It's a good Don't. song. It's a good song. Okay. Maybe on the wrap-up. You don't up. have to, Tim. You don't have Maybe to. Maybe on the wrap-up. Does he say Bustin makes me feel good anywhere in there, though? No, and that probably helped. Hmm. Hmm. Probably helped secure the win. Okay, I guess. (laughs) I guess if you're into that type of thing. Can you define what Bustin makes me feel good is in reference to? No, I can't, Tim. (laughs) And that's what's so great about it. Maybe I should have won. It could refer to so many different things, and some of them are very funny if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's just right in the middle of the song. He yells that Bustin makes him feel good. Yeah, I feel like he, he like... It makes him feel good. I feel like he wasn't able to come up with anything good, so he just like <laughs> threw that in there, and it just turned out to be amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Makes the song. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I know he like was having trouble writing that song and was like on a tight schedule mm. because he spent too much okay. time trying to figure out what to do and then like had an all-nighter one night and had his girlfriend and her friends like singing in the background for some of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's in the song, by the way. Okay. Excellent. That's probably what he was stuck on though. He's like, yeah. I need a couple words for this one part. You need to figure it out. And he's probably like, oh, man, you know what I like to do when I'm really like when I really have writer's block? It's like to bust a little bit. I like to bust. He probably started busting and he's like, this is making me feel yep. good. And they just yep, threw it in there. Exactly. Yeah, share it with the world, man. Genius. Yes. And um, just because you asked about the original song, it lost visual effects to uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where a man's heart is pulled out of his chest, Dean. Yeah, that's true. You know what? When I think of Indiana Jones, the first thing that pops in my mind is that a heart gets fucking ripped out of someone's chest in that trilogy. Yeah. 
What hey. the heck? Oh, Mum Shabbat. Talk about, talk about 1984 movies that spooked me. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that was Jeez. creepy, man. Jeez. That one is basically like Indiana Jones goes to hell is what that one is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wait, all three of those movies, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and Temple of Doom are all from 1984. That's, uh, that's ni- they very all, nice. That's a good year. They all scare me. They all have parts in them that like I liked to watch, but scared me. Well, they're, yeah, they're all scary movies. Yeah. Now, directed by Ivan Reitman, he directed Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Junior, Father's Day, and a movie that made me a man, the Canadian classic Meatballs. Oh, wow. Have you Made you a man, you, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of Meatballs? I've heard of Meatballs. I've never seen it. It's, it's uh, Bill Murray, right? Bill Murray is in Meatballs, yeah. I think that was yeah. his movie he's debut, the, He's the Meatball, right? I don't know. All, okay. I, all I remember is I saw boobies for possibly the okay. first time. <laughs> wow. And that was it. I think wow. that's... That was it. That's <laughs> You were done. That's where I lost my way from the song. <laughs> that's where I went off. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I will wait for fucking ever. And then I'm like, what are those? Wait a second. This song no no longer <laughs> matters to me. All that matters is the movie yeah, Meatballs. Meatballs. That's my new I am my now new on path. board with whatever they're all yeah, about. Exactly. I will forever do what Meatballs wants me to do. <laughs> Live my life by the meatballs. Yeah, the way of the ball. Grab life by the meatball. Yeah. We mentioned uh written by Dan Aykroyd. Now he did the uh like the story, but in Aykroyd's original script. His story had the movie taking place in the future with many groups of intergalactic Ghostbusters. Ivan Reitman, he took a look at that and he said, this movie is going to cost us $300 million to make. So he brought in Harold Ramis to rewrite the script. Cool. I would say there has never been a better time than to go with that original idea. Let's have Ghostbusters in the future, in outer space, and lots of them. Like it's a it's an intergalactic organization. Every planet has a Ghostbuster team, and they're they're busting ghosts. And oh, I get it. Busting makes me feel good. They're bu- busting ghosts. Exactly, Tim. Well, why didn't you tell me that when I asked, Dean? You're like, I don't well, know. Because that's it means. one of it's one of the interpretations <laughs> is that you busted ghosts. Gotcha. There could be other interpretations of busted. This is true. Uh, anyways, yeah, I want to see this movie. I think this would be really fun. You get a bunch of ghost-busting groups together to fight, like, a real big ghost. I think you could do a lot with this idea. I'm not going to say I don't want it. Um, Will you say that it, you do want it? Yeah. I, 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 I'm I, not going to say I want it instead. Of. Um, because, because I think it is a little too ambitious. I, I think I agree with Ivan Reitman no, on this it's one. It's the type of movie you could make now, Dean. It's 40 years later. Oh, now. Now. I'm saying now. Make okay. it now. Oh, I thought you meant there was no better time than 1984 to make that movie. And I was like, I don't know oh, about no. that. No. In a- oh, 84, yeah. there was no okay. better time to make what they made. Now, okay. there's no better time to make this idea. Okay. Yes, Tim. Yes. Let's let's take that one again. Yes, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I do want to see that. I would definitely want to see that movie now, for sure. Um, totally on board. I want to see it. Okay. Good. Music by Elmer Bernstein. He did Cape Fear, Trading Places, An American Werewolf in London, Airplane, and others. Holy smokes, what a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Like, 
it fits the like comedy vibe of the movie um while also having some creepy eerie uh, sounds in it noises as well so like it's just yeah it's just absolutely perfect for this like kind of weird tone that's this like horror comedy thing um yeah so i i think it's perfect yeah i think he perfectly captured what was needed for the movie because if you go a little bit too dark it really is going to change the tone of the movie like the, the music yeah. if you, let's just say for example you went with a really dark score this movie would not really be good for kids anymore. It would be too scary. But correct, yeah. He mixes like the scary scenes with this sort of playful goofy music and it it's yeah. your cue that like everything's okay, right? This isn't this yeah. isn't serious. This is just sort of for fun. So don't really worry about it. Uh and it worked really yeah. really well. Yeah. Now, cast. Oh my goodness. Have you seen the cast of this movie, Dean? I saw it. I saw them on the screen. Have you ever seen it on paper? Seen their names on paper? Actually, honestly, I haven't seen it on paper. Wow. I, don't I don't think I've just seen the the names on paper, like uh, at least the top five or maybe six, top six, seven. The top seven here are probably incredible. Oh, the entire cast. I'm just going to go with the entire cast. You have Bill Murray okay. as Peter Venkman. I mean, what? It's it's so his performance is so good. He's so good. Tim, I've got a question for you. Is it the best comedic performance ever? Maybe. 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 I mean, probably not, Dean. Probably not, but... Maybe, though. It's so... What he's doing is so effortless. He makes this movie (laughs) so so fucking hilarious. He is hitting a home run every time he says a line. Absolutely awesome. Um, Yeah, I I think it's one of the best. I, I, I don't have them all in my head right now, Tim. I don't to to think about it, but I think it's in the conversation of the best comedic performance. Yeah, def- I definitely agree. It's in the conversation. I think you've got a couple of um, big names to contend with, mm. like Steve Martin or John Candy. For sure, for sure. Or Rick Moranis in this movie. <laughs> oh, Could this yeah, be man. the best comedy performance ever? It's Maybe. in the conversation. <laughs> this dude steals every scene he's in. He's the oh, best thing yeah. of every scene. And the, and the, the scenes are great. There's nothing wrong with the scenes. He just elevates yeah. them so much. He's so funny. I don't think I'd be able to, to, to shoot this movie with him. I would be laughing all the time. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, back up a bit for uh, Peter Venkman here. Just a really like great idea for a character who's just kind of like so aloof about everything. This is one of the really yeah. great things about this movie and um, the characters that we get is how different they all are and like what they bring to the team. And he just brings this sort of like nonchalant, I don't really care attitude. And yeah, Bill Murray plays it so perfectly. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's something that's like the magic of this movie. I think there's magic, obviously magic to Star Wars as well. And I think that it is in the similar character to Han Solo where they're like Venkman's like, kind of too cool for the movie you know he's like too good for the stuff that's going on in the movie and then eventually those characters get won over at the end and join in and that like it's something about that type of character that is in this like nerdyish kind of movie and is just too cool for it and then you know comes comes around in the end it's just yeah fantastic yep agreed you have dan Aykroyd as ray stands you know we sort of already touched on it he's so excited about ghosts 
every single thing related to ghosts in this movie makes him smile. He it, it's Great. it's awesome. I love it. He's like a kid yeah. in a candy store with ghosts yeah. in this movie. You have Harold Ramis playing Egon Spangler. I mean, other than Rick Moranis playing Lewis Tully, Egon's my favorite. Like he's my favorite Ghostbuster. He, I just yeah. love his personality of everything is so specifically scientific by the book, by the numbers, man. I just, I feel like there's a lot of unintentional comedy coming from him and it's so good. It's so funny. Egon is so incredible. Um, he's like from another planet or something. Yeah. <laughs> like he does not, he does not answer questions the way you want him to answer them. Uh, he, everything is saying every same as like most of the characters here. Everything he says is so funny. Like yeah. his character is just, again, perfect. The collection of all these characters together just make every single scene so funny. You're so excited for any one of them to be on the screen. Cause you know, there's going to be a ton of laughs. Yeah. I think he was writing this part for someone. And then he decided that nobody else could play it but him. <laughs> so right. he's like, I, I just want to, I want to act. I want to be this character. Perfect. You have Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore. And I really wish he was in this movie more. And I know at first he was supposed to be in the movie more. And they cut some of his scenes out because they wanted to focus more on uh, Bill Murray's character. But he was such a good character for the team as well, because he was kind of, he was the level-headed one. He was the normal one. Yeah. Everybody else had like this really specific character trait. Winston was just like, I'm just a normal guy. And he balanced out the team so well that I really would have liked to have seen more of him in their dynamic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he is excellent every time he's given anything to do. Um, he he's He's really funny himself. He's a great character for the team. But uh, yeah, he's just not given a lot in the movie. Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett. Uh, fantastic. I mean, it's Sigourney Weaver. She's great in everything, but... She's the best. Man, she plays such a great, like... First of all, she plays a great Zool. I mean, come oh, yeah. on. <laughs> For sure. So amazing. But yeah, she's very funny. She's like, she's very comedic in like a sarcastic way. Sort of, I guess, a little bit like Egon. Like she's not always delivering lines to be funny, but it comes across as funny. Yeah, yeah. You need you need uh, someone in this role that's going to be opposite Bill Murray that can kind of like punch at his weight, that can tell that can tell jokes back at him. Um, and the way she does it, the scenes that she's in with him, uh, the it's like the approach she's taking to answering the questions when he's doing his goofy thing and she's doing her very like level headed whatever it is and still like kind of insulting him at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> it works so well for me. Like their scenes together again, just like incredible. Uh, yeah, she's she's great. Another another all timer. Yep, Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz. My goodness, uh, fucking hilarious. So funny. She yeah. like uh, speaking of sarcastic, she just Ugh. she just takes it all the way. She's just like one hundred percent sarcasm, unless she's around Egon, and then it's all butterflies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Such a cutie with her giant glasses oh, man. and her tiny face. Yeah, she's so <laughs> cute. Yeah, and then William Atherton as Walter Peck. I mean, yep. damn, can this guy ever play the asshole and the guy that you just want to punch? Yes. It's so of course, good. You, every time he's in a scene, 
you're like, okay, wait, who punches him in this scene yeah. again? You're like, wait, which person punches him? Oh, no, no, wait, that Wrong doesn't movie. actually happen here. You just think. You just think you he's going to take a punch at some point in time. I want to punch him. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's so great. Yeah, like, to play a role that well, Yeah, I just have such respect for it. And apparently he played this one so well that he had problems after this movie. He said if any bar he went to, people wanted to fight him. He said... He was walking down the street one time and a school bus drove by and all the kids were calling him dickless. And he said he had like a real, <laughs> you know, hard time <laughs> like Damn. having his like real life removed from this movie. So, you know, you see the movie and you're like, oh, I hate that guy. I hope the worst for him. But like, he's just an actor who played such a good role that people just ferociously hated him. That part is just one of the best deliveries, though, of that <laughs> joke that... Yes, it's true. This man yeah. has no dick. Um, like it is. That is what the kids would just laugh at so much. That would be the highlight of the movie. Of course, they're yelling dick- "dickless" at him. That sucks. That sucks for him. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's better now. But all right, here's a quick synopsis: Three parapsychologists forced out of their university funding set up shop as a unique ghost removal service in New York City, attracting frightened yet skeptical customers. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the story here. First off, I would say that New York is a perfect setting for this movie. Um, I don't know why. It just it just feels like the right fit. I guess maybe it has to do with like the Ghostbusters feel a little bit gritty. Like they're they're not really refined. Yeah. Um, they're just kind of like scraping by to try to get this company started. And I think New York is like the sort of the perfect fit for that. Yeah, I think why it really works, too, is the reason why Men in Black really works being in New York as well. Uh, You just kind of buy that it's a super busy uh, city and like everyone's just rushing around to do their thing and get to their next spot that they might not notice that there's a ghost around or like they're just like, oh, whoa, there's like something blew up on the, you know, over there in the in the alley. Oh, whatever. Like, I got to get to work. Like, you just like kind of see it and keep on going. And I think that's why it would be believable that no one really noticed that there was ghosts until you like knew that there were ghosts. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Then we get a great opening sequence in the library. We see books floating around by themselves, index cards being shot out of drawers this poor old librarian being terrified she sees something that almost blows her hair off her head then the ghostbusters theme kicks in so i out of out of this entire intro what i like the best is the setting of the library archives in the basement i think it's such a perfect choice and i think this is one of the things that sort of shut me off from the movie very quickly as a kid is this was really scary for me. It felt very yeah. claustrophobic. I did not want to go downstairs into this like archive and possibly see a ghost. It was too much for me, and I think um, it was a great choice. Yep, I, I totally agree. This is what really stuck with me as a kid. I remember it. I remember watching this scene for the first time. Um, it was so scary. It was like whenever I would think about go- Ghostbusters, it would always be this scene. Maybe even when I thought about movies, you know, when I was like eight or nine years old, I would just think of this scene because this is the scene that really stuck with me. Uh, the cards just flying off the racks is just awesome. It's like I absolutely, it's such a simple thing, but it looks so amazing. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they had like a leaf blower or something. Yeah, they were <laughs> blowing, blowing them all air off. in. They're blowing air. Okay, but, but cool. still, like even yeah. when I read that, 
that didn't even make sense because it looked so no. perfect. It's just one after yeah. another, perfect timing, yeah. perfect arc. Like it's I don't understand how they did that. It's it looks great. Yeah. Great scene. From there, we're introduced to the characters. We get one of the great character intros of all time with Bill Murray um, running a negative reinforcement on ESP ability test and like frying this dude and hitting on the girl. Such an asshole. It's so good. Such a good setup for his character. It's so perfect. Totally. Ray comes in. He's very excited about these events that occurred at the library. He says Egon is already there, so they need to go right now. Now, by this point, we are five minutes into the movie, and it has already hit on spooky, funny, and exciting. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Now, at the library, Peter makes a comment about Ray chasing these sightings, but never actually finding anything. And I think that's a very nice setup that... Yeah. They're sort of, they're new to this, right? They don't have any success at this. This is just something that they're into and that they're trying to do. And, yeah. you know, that's something the movie progresses really well is their kind of rise to becoming, you know, the team that they become. But I like that in the movie, they basically start out as nothing. I love it. I love the beginning. I love that they they start out and they have never actually seen anything. And I love uh, Venkman just being like, kind of an asshole to them because you know he just thinks it's silly stuff he doesn't believe in it at all because it puts me in a spot watching it where i'm like well they're not going to see anything then they're not going to see anything at least this first time they're not going to see anything right because they just never have you open up the movie and he's just making fun of them and it's like so quick that it turns around and it's like oh shit okay yeah you are going to see one right now yeah it does a good job also of like grounding this movie in reality like this doesn't, yeah. this, it sort of feels like this is something that could happen. This is a movie that very, is yeah. very believable that, you know, could possibly take place. Uh, you know, and if, if, if they start it with them already having an established business, I, I don't buy that as much. It doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Yep. So they pull out some gadgets to help them find the ghost and every single fucking gadget that they have in this movie is amazing i i want toys of all of them they're so cool for 84 it's just it's really neat yeah i i remember being obsessed with anything that was a toy like i had like the goggles that you could like the 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 goggles that ray wears and i also had like a little fake uh like i didn't don't think i had the backpack i'm trying to think what i had i think i had a fake toy of it but i I don't think it came with a backpack but anyways yeah i just loved i love the look of every gadget in this movie yeah so ray is very excited here because he finds ectoplasmic residue and he's he's very excited he says it's the real thing it's not fake dean it's not that fake shit it's the real stuff it's the real thing yeah i laughed at that uh and then peter he gets some of it on his hands he can't get it off (laughs) <laughs> he probably ruins 15 books by cleaning his hands <laughs> on the books. <laughs> Great. So funny. <laughs> so good. It's so funny. It just shows you what the movie's going to be that you can just follow any one of these characters and what they're just about to do after something, after a big event. And it's going to be funny. <laughs> like he gets some goo on his hands and he's wiping it off on books and it's funny. Yeah. Their overall like lack of caring for other people's properties is is a great touch in the movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Now they find a nice old lady ghost reading a book and they try to communicate with her. She turns into some sort of demon and screams at them. And this scared the shit out of me as a kid. And this yeah. is probably where I was like, I'm done with Ghostbusters. This is too scary. Yeah. Yeah. If I, um, I would sometimes have to shut it off after this. Um, sometimes I could keep powering through because I loved the movie, but sometimes it was too much. I had to shut it off. Yeah. Now, their research so far has been funded by the university, but now they're thrown out and they have to go into business for themselves. They have no money. So they take a third mortgage out on Ray's house at 19%. Uh, I love Ray when he says, you didn't even try to bargain with them. (laughs) Venkman doesn't care. He's just like, let's just get the money and let's get going. So he just gets taken for a ride. 19%. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. You will never not be paying interest. Yeah. Uh, The score, very playful here, you know. It's not just playful after like the scary scenes, but it's also playful in some of the funnier, goofier scenes. Just a really yeah. nice tone throughout. Uh, Bill Murray's killing it. Absolutely killing it. Uh, like He's delivering lines like this. I had to rewind this a couple times just to watch him deliver this because it's such a hard line to do. And he did it so flawlessly. I was just like studying for any sort of like a blip where he doesn't own this because it was it just seemed like it would have been so hard to deliver. But he, he owned right. it. It was amazing. I was like, this guy's a, just a, a genius master. Will you guys relax? We are on the threshold of establishing the indispensable defense science of the next decade. Professional paranormal investigations and eliminations. The franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams. Now, this is a fun line because it hints towards the original story idea where there's actually lots of Ghostbuster groups out there. Like it's the right, idea right, that yeah. this gets franchised out. So I thought that was yeah, a nice, a nice inclusion. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Not, not knowing that that was the original script. It was still, you know, funny, but like it did. Yeah. Maybe seemed like it maybe didn't fit knowing that like that is super funny. So they're shown an old fire hall, uh, as a possible place to set up their business. It's completely run down. Egon doesn't want it. But Ray can't handle his excitement, and they take it. We meet Sigourney Weaver as Dana, and our boy Rick Moranis as Lewis. Dana sees a Ghostbusters commercial on TV. Uh, dude, I love her apartment. I'm a huge oh, fan. Yeah. Like th- yeah, that must great. have cost a fortune in New York. For sure, for sure. Dana's eggs start cracking and cooking themselves on her counter. Now, I don't know how much you know about eggs, Dean, but it's fairly abnormal for them to be doing that. Oh, okay. You know yeah, that? yeah, I thought. Well, I thought it was weird that they were jumping out of the carton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is weird. Yeah. It's, it but actually then, is a weird thing. But then I thought after you crack an egg, it just starts to sizzle. I thought that's just what happens. No, it turns out that's pretty rare. I did some research. It turns okay. out that's pretty rare. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, her fridge is opening to another dimension. Huh. Kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's neat for us outside viewers. I wouldn't want to open up my fridge to another dimension. So Dana decides to seek out the Ghostbusters. We briefly meet adorable Janine. We see Ray bring home a car that will be used as the Ecto-1. P. 
Peter goes to Dana's apartment to check her out. Oh, um, excuse me, to check it out. Right. She has a bag of Stay Puffed marshmallows on her counter that I think I noticed for the first time this viewing. Yeah, same. Not a big Easter egg or anything. I just never noticed it before. Yeah. Unfortunately, Dana's fridge is no longer presenting as a gateway to another dimension. And Peter takes this moment to tell her that he's madly in love with her. <laughs> this was awesome. This entire scene. This entire scene is so funny. Their back and forths are so hilarious. Uh, and she just like wants nothing of it. And he's just like, I'm going to go for it. I I'm madly in love with you. It's uh, it's such a perfect scene. It's so good. And no one like ever believes Ripley. No one ever believes Ripley when she's got, you know, shit to say about monsters. And uh, it just felt it felt like that all over again. Yeah, I don't know. Venkman might have believed her. Even though he didn't show I it. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think he was more concerned about asking her out on a date than he was oh, with whatever I'm was sure. going on. I'm sure. He was yeah. spraying that that perfume in the air or whatever. What does, what does that thing do? I thought it was really funny that she asks him what it is and he's like, ah, technical, technical stuff. Very technical. He never says what it does. Yeah. We don't know what that thing does. I love not knowing what it does. It's just him puffing this air or whatever he's doing. It's so funny. He plays those two notes on like the piano, and he's like, they hate, they hate this. <laughs> they, they hate, hate this. this. Let's torture him for a bit. <laughs> it's good. I love And I love knowing that that's not real at all. Like, he's just there, like... Yeah, he's trying to get a date. I don't but... know. Trying to get a date. Yeah, just trying to be funny or whatever. Just trying to be cool. Oh, they hate this. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe he's on the level. Maybe these are all things that, Maybe... that actually work. You don't really know with this character. I feel like he never believed there was a ghost until he actually <laughs> saw one. So I don't know if he knows anything about them. But even when he does see like her as Zool, he still kind of plays it the same way. He's almost behaving in the he... same manner. You know? He does. Yeah, he does. He's just got this, this air about him of like, yeah. he doesn't really care. Yeah, he doesn't get too worked up about anything. That's right. Now, the Ghostbusters get a call to go to a hotel, so they suit up in full uniform, proton packs and all. They uh, almost fry the maid, which was great. <laughs> so Just funny. a great comedic thing to put in there because we're ready yeah. for them to we're ready to see another ghost. We're ready for them to fry it. And <laughs> it's the maid that startles them. Very funny. Then yeah, and they're just so scared. They're so scared to be in the situation. So that's so funny too. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're scared of their own weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know what it's gonna do. <laughs> yeah. So they run into Slimer, who is not actually called Slimer until the real Ghostbusters cartoon a couple years later. Okay. They proceed to utterly destroy the ballroom trying to catch Slimer. Uh, Dean, what did you think of this uh, hotel scene? Oh, I mean, again, just all time scene, uh, all the way from them splitting up in the hallways and destroying everything on their own <laughs> um, to like even Slimer, like sliming Venkman. And like, you don't really know. He's like that. Slimer's just coming straight at him. You're not sure what's going to happen. And then it becomes like this comedic thing where he just got like oozed with all that, all that slime. And then everyone thinks it's great. You know, I love Ray coming in and he's like, that's great. And then, you <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> he calls Egon and Egon's like, that's great. Yeah. Um, so that's all great. And then, you know, going into the ballroom and just another, uh, you know, another fantastic part. You get the don't cro cross the streams uh, talk where, you know, just this like 
these weapons that they're using we already know are super dangerous and then egon's just like oh yeah i should probably mention like we can't have our streams cross because then you know all of existence might end <laughs> it's just like yeah maybe you should have mentioned that uh, before <laughs> we started firing them in the hallway yeah uh it's just so great uh they're just absolutely trashing it becomes very funny that they're just absolutely trashing this place, yeah, right? Really. Every table that they pick up and throw, I'm laughing even more and more. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a great scene. Yeah, and they keep piling that on with the fact that there's actually a woman outside the room waiting for that room <laughs> because the room. they have an event. Yeah. And, like, the manager's yeah. there. He's like, the room will be ready when your entire party shows up. <laughs> he's just trying to yeah. buy him, like, <laughs> buy some time. And yeah. not like everybody hasn't showed up yet. So this is his out. He's like, oh shit, what do I do? Well, I'll just say she can't <laughs> go in unless everyone's here. Yeah, really funny. Incredible. Yeah, about crossing the streams, uh, Egon says it would be bad. And uh, try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's another great line. It sounds quite bad. Yeah. So they end up catching Slimer. I love that even the device they catch it in, you know, yeah. it's so neat. It's such a cool little thing, like a little box. I love when things, yeah. I love when things look really big and then fit into something you don't really feel like they should fit in. Like, I don't feel like Slimer should fit into that, that little box, but you know, yeah. it, it does not a problem. So really, really cool device. And uh, then before they leave, they give the manager a bill. Yeah. Great. I, I like, I uh, just go back to the trap. Um, I think they set up something here. Uh, just uh, like kind of, they kind of set up something here because they talk about never across the streams and they, they say that it's going to be really, really horrible. But then there's a moment in here when Ray's like, don't look at the light. Like, don't look at the trap. Oh, yeah. And then Egon's like, I'm, I'm looking at the trap. <laughs> I'm looking as and it's soon fine. as he you know, said it's it. fine. Yeah. As soon as he said it, but he's, but it's fine. Like he, he, nothing happened. He looked at the trap, but nothing happened. And I think that's one of those things where it's, we're going to get down the line where maybe we have to cross the streams and we're going to be okay and accept that, you know, all, all of their lives didn't, lives didn't just end because like, these are just theoretical things, you know, oh, don't look at the trap. And then he did. And it was fine. I think it's the same kind of setup for their, uh, their streams later. Yeah. That's a nice pickup. So paranormal activity is way up around town. And the Ghostbusters are now very busy. So busy that they need to hire another body, and they hire Winston Zeddemore. Peter has some info for Dana about this Zool character. When she opened her fridge, she saw some type of dog that said Zool. So they, they looked that up. And Peter tells her that Zool refers to a demigod worshipped around 6000 BC by the Hittites mesopotamians and sumerians and that zool was the minion of gozer so a whole bunch of like what huh yeah for what? sure <laughs> yeah who? okay who? whatever why yeah. now some people dean some people think the ghostbusters might be causing more trouble than they're fixing people like walter pecker i'm sorry peck mm. walter peck not Pecker, are you sure? Sorry, that's uh, that was my bad. Uh, right. He's from an environmental protection agency, and he's not happy with the Ghostbusters. Uh, my goodness, another like truly classic scene where he comes in to talk to them, 
And yeah. he, of course, gets Venkman. And man, just their back and forth is so good. It's great, yeah. Now, Egon is starting to get very concerned because he's tracking major paranormal activity in the area, and he's worried what this might mean. Another pretty scary scene here in Dana's apartment. Like, these hands yeah. that come out of the chair and are grabbing at her, this yeah. is straight out of a horror movie. This is terrifying. This is one of those things where, like, you could see that and sort of forget about it and have that memory in your head of this really scary scene in a movie and then you forget what it's from. And then you watch Ghostbusters and you're like, oh, shit, it was from Ghostbusters. I thought it was from something like Fright Night or something way scarier than this. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't think it was from Ghostbusters because, you know, there's you just remember a lot of the lightheartedness. But uh, the what's also great about this part and, you know, the parts that kind of have to do with uh, these uh, whatever these beings that are, you know, taking control of the humans is the score that's playing while while this is happening. Like as soon as it starts to kick in, I start to remember, oh, it's going to be really scary. Like it, it it just ties that mute piece of music directly to like how scary this scene is. And I remember that like, okay, it's good. You know, it's going to get really scary here. And it is like all those, you're right. All those hands. There's something about more than two hands <laughs> coming, more than two arms coming out of that yeah. chair. That's like really scary. It's, it's just like, it's not just something in the chair. It's just like a, a bunch of hands coming out you know are there more things in there what what's going on where are these hands coming from so yeah it's really creepy uh definitely another part that sticks out in your mind and stuck out in my mind when i was a kid yeah i, I always feel like it's multiple things down there like rather than yeah. a, a, some sort of creature with multiple arms my mind always goes to multiple creatures which yeah. for me yeah, feels for more sure. terrifying yeah and it's like if I just saw two hands, I'd think there's one creature. As soon as I see three hands, I'm like, oh, there must be 10 down right. there. You know, like as soon as I just see another hand, I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, there's so many. It's not just one more. There's so yeah. many. Now, Lewis, who lives down the hall and like continues to lock himself out. Just a great gag. So now, the funny. way that Moranis plays it, he, he plays awkward so well. There's just like one one quick scene where... Uh, Venkman's coming out of Dana's apartment and like just the the acting that Moranis does in like this three second clip of him walking out noticing Venkman being embarrassed and sort of like turns back to go back inside but the door locks and then he kind of has to behave like he meant to do all this and then they just kind of cut to something different man it's so good Exactly what I was thinking, Tim. It's so funny, his awkwardness after he can't get back into that door. And he's just kind of standing there with nowhere nowhere to go and nothing to do. So fucking funny. Uh, yeah, so Lewis is having a party. And man, does he ever deliver some great lines. Now, there's all sorts of like ad-libbing going on in this movie. I'm not sure how much of it was like on the spot or how much of it was the character writing their own lines. Pro pro probably right. a mix of both. But... Yeah. This is this is a great one. <laughs> he's uh well first of all he's having a party for clients, right? Because yeah, because he doesn't really have friends, but he wants yeah. to have a party, so he invites his clients. And uh Ted and Annette arrive. So he <laughs> he introduces them. He says uh yeah, Ted has a small carpet cleaning business in receivership, and Annette's drawing a salary from a deferred bonus from 2 years ago. They got 15000 left on their house at 8%, so they're okay. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> you 
because he's he's an he's an accountant. He's so an everybody account- there he probably shouldn't be no, telling everyone that of information. Course not. But that's like all he has to talk about with the with these people because yeah. they're his clients. So he's just telling yeah. like everybody's personal money information. It's, it's like, so you, funny. Can you imagine you go to a party and that's what gets announced about you? Is like <laughs> what type of like shitty job you have and then how much you owe on your house? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nice touch. Cause you would like, oh, you know, you'd introduce your friends <laughs> yeah. if you're at a party, you're like, oh, hey, this is you know, this is Greg and yeah. Jenny. Oh, they just got back from Mexico, uh, and they, uh, yeah, they're yeah, expecting yeah. another kid in a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> and all he knows is their financial information. Uh, so, so they're, they're okay. okay. 8% left. So they're, so they're okay. at 8%, 15, so 15K okay. at 8%. Yeah, they're okay. Uh, I, I loved so it. So funny. Loved it. Yeah. Um, now, Casey Kasem... Uh, like top 50. I don't know if you ever listened to Casey. You might've been a little bit too young for it. I definitely listened to Casey case. Um, all the time, Saturday afternoon, he did like the top hits countdown on radio. Okay. I, I don't know that he has a cameo earlier in the movie when the ghostbusters are like going out and fighting a bunch of ghosts. He's like the radio voice. Uh, anyways, oh, okay. this blonde that Rick Moranis is dancing with at the party is his wife. So just oh, a little, okay. little factoid okay. to throw in. Yeah. And uh, that dancing could have went a little bit longer. <laughs> Moranis yeah. danced for a second, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I needed more. I needed more of that dance. So here's what I want out of this movie. If I could have one thing, I want Dana and Venkman to go to this party. Like, I know Dana said, yes. yeah, maybe we'll show up later. I know yes. she was just saying that to deflect it. I would have loved seeing Venkman at this party talking to all these people. I think it would have been yeah. so funny. Agreed. Now, Vin's Clortho, the other demon dog, bursts out of Moranis's uh, closet, chases him out of the building and down the street before grabbing him. Now, there is something here that never made sense to me, and it always kind of sticks out, and I don't know if this was on purpose or they just missed something, but Vin's Clortho is chasing him, He's got him pinned up against this building, but when they cut from the inside of this restaurant, big glass window, they cut from the inside to the outside. Inside, you can't see Vince Clortho. Whenever they cut outside, you can see you can see it, but then inside, nobody seems to see it. So why is that? Yeah, so this is... Uh... It's not that they can't see it because people are commenting on it earlier when it's running around. Um, so I think what it is is they just didn't want to, you know, do more of that effect that they were doing. I like to take it as since we're inside the restaurant, this is like what the people in this super fancy restaurant are seeing. They're just seeing this like crazy guy banging on the door who probably just wants to come in and eat some food and they're just like ignoring the situation they don't even care what's going on so i like to think of it like that um and that's why we don't see it when we when we are inside the restaurant because it's like the views of the people they, they are not even paying attention yeah i still would have liked to have seen the dog i know it's you can it's the one weird part because you see him throughout the entire chase and people comment on him throughout the entire yeah. chase so it's not like you can't see him so i think it is weird and yeah, I just, I think they just didn't want to do the effect again. Yeah, probably. Uh, which is unfortunate because it's just a small thing. 
every time yeah. I see it, it takes me out of the movie a bit. For sure, yeah. So Venkman shows up to see Dana, who has been taken over by Zool and looks amazing. My goodness, she looks great. Does she look yeah. great? Yeah. She's looking for the keymaster. So Peter says, "Well, yes. He just happens to be friends with the keymaster." <laughs> <laughs> Dana says she's Zool the gatekeeper and she's preparing for the coming of Gozer the destructor. Uh, great scene as she's floating in the bed. Oh yeah. That's practical effects. That's amazing. It's scary. Um, her there, there's no Dana, only Zool. Yeah. Very scary for me as a kid. Her, like the way she's just like kind of barking and growling oh, as yeah. she's floating in the air. So scary. Yeah. She's like uh, spinning yeah, around a little it. bit, like not, yeah. not lying on her back anymore, but turning to her side, panting. Yeah. Uh, so, so funny. Um, Venkman has an amazing line in this scene where she's like trying to get him to have sex with her. And she's like, I want you inside me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I think there's already a couple people yeah, in there. Yeah. There's already a couple people <laughs> so in there. Fu- <laughs> yeah. It's so it's funny. Good, yeah. <laughs> now, Lewis has become the key master and he's running around town looking for the gatekeeper. The police pick him up and drop him off to the Ghostbusters and another just amazing scene, really one of my favorites in the movie, with uh, Lewis, Janine, and Egon at Ghostbuster HQ. <laughs> and yeah. again, it's because of Rick Moranis. This, the lines he's delivering, he's like, he's first of all, he's so honest about who he is and what his purpose is, and he's like telling a story about like one of the previous times Gozer came and destroyed a civilization, and he's just so hilarious and believable with the way he's telling it and then he's yeah he's like sniffing around stuff like a dog (laughs) he's he's drinking water out of a coffee pot he's got that stupid device on his head like something that (laughs) doc brown would wear out of back to the future and he's just like he's cool with everything like he yeah he just feel he feels so trusting like it's very possible that these people could help him so he's just gonna hang out there and just hope that they can help him find the gatekeeper Everything in this scene is so funny. Moranis delivering his lines, so funny. And then I love at the end of it when he's just like handing Egon things. Yeah. And Egon's just like, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is like treating him like a child. Just like, yeah. thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he just keeps picking things up and giving them to him. Yeah. Oh, man. This, yeah, this scene rules. It's super funny. And they're just like trying to figure out what he's talking. Like, this is very serious business, right? And they're trying to, yeah. they're trying to figure out what he's talking about. But it's just so funny. And then you get like the call from, that they're calling Venkman, who's like, also with Dana. So he's saying, okay, I've got the gatekeeper here. And they're like, oh, we have the key master. And Venkman's like, oh, we should get them together. And just Egon being like, I think that would be a very yeah. bad idea. Yeah, definitely. So love good. that part. Yeah. yeah, that that like device that Egon has yeah. on um, Lewis's head there, there's a small screen, like a small old computer screen. And it's actually got the picture of Vince Clortho on it. Like, so... Yeah, he's able to read his brain waves and see that this is actually who's inside. I thought that was a really cool yeah. touch. That they don't even say anything about that. It's just there yeah. for for you to see. 
Yeah, and a really good setup because they used it earlier with Dana, and like when she had it on, you saw Dana on the screen like that. Right. Um, so it was really cool to bring it back. You look at the screen and it's this <laughs> demon dog thing on the screen. You're like, yeah. oh shit! And they're just kind of looking at the screen, and you're like, okay, yeah. I guess they know something's up here. Now Ray's been studying the architecture of Dana's building, and he's determined that the whole building is a huge superconductive antenna that was designed and built expressly for the purpose of pulling in and concentrating spiritual turbulence. Cool. Yeah, I'm, for I'm sure. I'm down with that idea. I'm down, yeah. And it's like really quick, really quick like um, exposition that just gives the entire like background for the movie. And, yeah. Uh, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good dump here. I like it. Yeah. Walter Peck is back with a court order that forces them to shut down their protection grid that's housing all of the ghosts they've captured. Yeah, that sounds smart. This is such a good moment for me because like, not only is it awesome to see all the ghosts released, like all their work undone, but they can like, they continue from the very beginning. They continue to have like, like small roadblock after small roadblock thrown in front of the ghostbusters. Like nothing is easy for them. And just yeah. as things are going well, Walter Pecker walks in and releases every <laughs> single ghost that they have. And it's just like, it's basically like reset, like start back at the beginning oh. now. And I really loved that for the, <laughs> the Ghostbusters characters because they're just, they're trying so hard to like make a living and scrape by. And this dickhead comes in and does this, man, it just yeah. infuriates me. And it's such a good scene. Yeah, it's great. So they shut down the grid and the roof of the building blows open and a red beam of light shoots out and ghosts start pouring out and start to overrun the city. So immediate gratification of this was a stupid call. Yeah, except he starts blaming them right away. Pecker starts blaming <laughs> yeah. them immediately and says, this is all there. This is all because of them. Yeah. Everything that's happening is a, it's like, if you didn't turn it off, obviously it was containing something, you idiot. Yeah. Somebody punch this guy. Yep. Where's Bonnie Bedelia? Punch him. We need her. So the key master and the gatekeeper finally meet up, Dean. The very much anticipated meeting. Yeah. I love what Dana's done with her apartment. I liked it before, but I like it yeah. way better now. And I love it now. Two yeah. entire walls have been blown out. Yeah. Before it was open concept. Now it's like open air. Yeah. Uh, big fan. The two of them have sex to open the path for Gozer. Now, with the city overrun, the mayor agrees to let the Ghostbusters have a chance to clean it up, and they're escorted to Dana's apartment. As they're walking in, this is more of what I'm talking about, a sinkhole opens up and swallows them up. It's just like they can't catch a break. It's one so thing strange. after another with them. I think it was just yeah. another reason to like, you think things are going to go well now, right? You're yeah. ready for this big ending where the Ghostbusters go and save the day and the the road eats them. Yeah. Why I love it so much is because they're showing up, the crowd's there, the crowd's cheering them on, they're happy they're there. And then the sinkhole happens and they all fall in and the crowd's just like, oh, are they, dead? Are they dead? Is that it? Yeah. And then they come up out of the sinkhole and the crowd goes crazy again. They go even crazier than they were before. I just love it. I love that everyone's cheering them on to go in here. You know, it's a, it's a type of thing that 
you don't often see in this type of uh, you know, this type of like secret group, like, you know, I'm kind of think of like men in black type thing. If they're like taking on ghosts, you don't see like people cheering for them. So I just loved this, like going to the tower to save like all the, to save the day. And people aren't mad at them that they let out all these ghosts. The people are cheering on, cheering them on. They know that that's their only hope is these ghostbusters. So I really, there's just something about this part about everyone cheering them on that I love. Yeah, they're all chanting Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, I read that by this point in filming, they hadn't actually secured the rights to the name yet because there was okay. like a, there's some sort of children's show in the 70s called the Ghostbusters and they were right. working to try to get those rights. So right. I think this is what pushed them over to like aggressively go for the rights and do what they needed to okay. do because it was a great scene, right? And you don't, yeah. don't want to have to throw that away. But yeah, I also like that it's not in the movie very much, but they do just sort of subtly throw in like the end of days scenario. So you do have some religious people who do have the signs of like the end is near and stuff like that. Um, Because obviously you're going to have people who don't really believe in ghosts. And if, if they see them, it could be, you know, like Armageddon or something and, and something really, really bad could be happening. So I I like that they didn't really get into that too much because that's not what the movie's about but they threw them in there to sort of support that belief as well. And that just makes it more believable for me. Like it, again, it feels like this real world that exists and, and things are making sense for me. Right. Right. Yeah. So they take the stairs up to Dana's apartment, then find a new staircase in her apartment leading to the roof where we see purple electricity surging through the key master and the gatekeeper opening up a portal for Gozer to come through. Uh, These were pretty cool effects. As they're getting hit, you can sort of see their skeletons flashing in and out. Yeah, Uh, that was really neat. And then they turn into the dogs. So the dogs, probably like the worst looking effect in the movie, didn't date very well, but not a big deal. Probably looked pretty cool for the time. Yeah, it was really just like the, I mean, I don't know the technical terms, but like how to make it because it's like stop motion maybe it's stop motion so that's all like it was like moving like they had like a large figure of a dog yeah and they had to move it like through through a physical scene so that's why yeah it looks looks a bit weird like kind of sort of choppy uh stop motion it's just like the whatever the outline is like around the creatures is what doesn't quite look good. So I don't know like if it's it's trying to get that stop motion in the actual scene, whatever it is. Like it's just the outline around the creature that looks like a little weird. Um, it's probably that that was shot in front of some some sort of screen, right? Because like yeah, that, yeah, that right. portal is obviously fake. But yeah, I, I'm trying to remember like when you see the dog running through the city... I'm trying to. I think it's the same thing. Is it because you I still kind of see this like outline okay. around it? Because I know they actually had to move like a physical dog puppet yeah, okay. like across yeah. the street, and it was like a big deal because you got to shut a street down to do it. You only have so long. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what did you think of Gozer? Because any anything really could have come out of there, right? And you hear about Gozer, and you wonder what Gozer is going to be, but uh, then you we the Gozer we get. What what are you are you a fan? I, I am a fan. I'm a fan because we already have these creatures. So I I like that it's not another type of creature. It's like, I like that it's just this, like it's a humanoid, 
Um, so like I, I, I look at her and, you know, I, I get it. I, I, I understand, but also like, she looks really weird. She's got this like weird haircut, this weird makeup going on. I think it's really cool as a kid. Um, it was really eerie just being like, oh, you know what, what's this, this gozer is, uh, yeah, just like this weird, weird being. I, I really liked, I really liked the look, uh, of gozer. Yeah. I definitely like gozer now. I think as a kid, my imagination probably went too far and I was hoping for something maybe more extreme or bizarre to come out and be Gozer. But, um, yeah, so probably let down then, but yeah, I definitely like the look now. Uh, yeah, I I like it a lot. It could have been a, it could have been a lot worse. Every time Gozer shows up, I'm pretty pumped. I I like her. I'm down with Gozer. Yeah. Yeah. Now Ray tries to talk to Gozer and that goes about as well as you'd expect. Gozer nearly blasts them all off the building. So they try to hit Gozer with the proton packs, but she's too quick. Then she disappears. We hear her voice telling them to choose the form of their destructor. And good luck not thinking about something when someone tells you not to think about something. (laughs) It's impossible. Dean, I want you to clear your mind really quick. Don't think of anything. Don't think of anything. Dean. Okay. What is your destructor? Uh, I was I was thinking of Spock for some reason. <laughs> oh yeah, giant <laughs> Spock. That'd be awesome. Yeah, good one. <laughs> I like it. For some reason, Spock, pointy ears, and Spock pops. <laughs> that in is my, a great call. That's a yeah, great call. Leonard Nimoy Spock. Well yeah. done. Uh, well, Ray's mind goes straight to marshmallows and the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, which. I actually think is a pretty good choice. Like, I think he did a good job of, of choosing something that, you know, wouldn't really harm them that much. It's really good. I was thinking about it because it's supposed to be this thing that just popped in his head and he couldn't help it. But when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that's like he he thought that that little mascot was so friendly and nice. And how could that <laughs> other? How could, how could that and soft? How could that ever be bad? You know, it's always. He was like, we always roasted the marshmallows around the fire. Like, it was such a good memory for him. How could that ever hurt him? Yeah. I think it was a pretty good call. It's a good call. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Stay Puffed is walking through the streets like Godzilla, causing all sorts of destruction. <laughs> Egon has a good line here where Venkman asks him a question, and he says he's terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. <laughs> I love great, it. Great, <laughs> great line. Yeah. Um. Uh, I really love that they gave Stay Puffed expressions because when you see him at first, he's yes. just this happy face and yeah. and you're just thinking like, okay, cool, but I'm sort of not buying that maybe it would be doing all this destruction. And then yeah. it gets angry and looks so creepy. And then I totally buy into this thing destroying a city. Yeah, totally. But also how long would it have taken that thing to destroy the city it's going so slow it's walking so slowly it would like it's almost like the type of thing where you're like well it's it's gonna take it forever so maybe it just becomes this thing in new in new york that everybody just kind of ignores you just like (laughs) you just rebuild around it and then the city keeps on going but there's a giant marshmallow destroying it at the same time yeah, you can't. You got to take the sixteen to work because yeah. uh, Stay Puffed is on <laughs> the fourteen. Right. Just remember, this week he's on the fourteen, so you gotta you gotta go around him. Yeah, just have like a like a Stay Puffed report, like they do the weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A <laughs> uh, pretty good line from Peter. 
Peter says, Stay Puffed is dressed like a sailor and in New York, so all they need to do is get it laid. That'll right. solve all the problems. That'll solve it. Good luck with that. And then Egon says they need to cross the streams. And there's definitely a slim chance they'll survive. (laughs) There's definitely (laughs) a slim chance. Yeah, Yeah, great. That's all you need at that point. Yeah, just need a hope. Peter tells Ray he'll see him on the other side. Ray says, nice working with you. They start shooting at the portal. They cross their streams. Uh, I love that while they were doing this, Stay Puffed is right behind them. Like you can see its face just behind them as they're shooting and it's pissed off. Yeah. And the roof of the building blows up huge from the crossing of the beams. The green sky starts to go back to normal and marshmallow is spewed all over the streets and all over the Ghostbusters. I think the rooftop explosion was a bit too big. So I get I get like how bad it is to cross the streams and they're blowing up this portal. But like the top like eight maybe eight stories of that roof were covered in in a fireball and the ghostbusters were okay so i don't know it doesn't really work for me it's another thing that kind of took me out a bit like if they could have just been somewhere else or like tried to slide down the side of the wall or something but they should have been vaporized yeah they're covered in uh, marshmallows padding okay does that work maybe that works (laughs) yeah they had they had some padding. They had some sugar coating that uh, kept them kept them pristine. I don't like po- uh, poking holes in this movie, so I I appreciate that yeah. perspective. That that's what yeah. Saved okay, them. good, good. Yeah. I read that this the rooftop set for this final confrontation between Gozer and the Ghostbusters occupied an entire soundstage and required fifty thousand amps of electricity to be properly lit. Cool. Now, I'll tell you a little something about amps and electricity. Great. Um, a normal, like, receptacle on the wall, like a two-outlet receptacle, that could hold a capacity of 15 amps. Okay, and you could, okay. you could probably, you could, you could plug many, many devices into that. A house yeah. normally has a panel that has 100 amps. That's kind of normal. Wow. A big house, maybe 200 amps. So 50,000 amps is a huge amount of power to have going. That's a lot. Just to light, light the place. Wow. I'm I'm amazed the EPA wasn't knocking on their door trying to shut them down. Yeah, I think what they did is worse than crossing the streams. I think so, yeah. What's your your energy bill going to be? That's high. Now, Dana's hand pops out of the uh, scorched dog body, so they pull her out. Lewis crawls out of his dog. Lewis asks the Ghostbusters if they need an accountant. Egon says <laughs> they'd like to take a sample of his brain, and he says, okay. Winston. He's so funny at the end here. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, Winston says he loves this town. The Ghostbuster theme kicks in. Dana and Peter kiss. The credits roll and the actor names show up over the characters as the movie is still winding down, which is just the best. That. Yeah. They're still like. They're just roll the credits over. It's the final scene scene still yeah. happening. And they're just like, let's roll these credits. Let's get them going. It's great. I love it. We see them like yeah. getting into the Octo One. Uh, they're making their way through this really crowded street. 
Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it's great. Everyone's cheering for them. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Ghostbusters. It's great. Then Slimer flies right into the camera and oh. the end. What's he still doing around? I don't know. And it seemed like nobody saw him either. Yeah. Pretty great when he came out of the hot dog cart with a bunch of hot dogs in his mouth. That was, a, that was iconic. <laughs> yeah, that is iconic for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, love that movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's freaking great. Absolutely loved it. I hadn't watched it in a, a number of years, so it was Same. great to go back and then revisit it. Had a great time with it. Uh, all-timer for me. Um, you really loved it as a kid. Really, really still love it. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was excellent. Nice. Well, we'll eventually get to number two because that was a favorite of mine and I haven't seen that in a Heck long yeah. time. So it'll be fun to do eventually. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, everybody uh, tune in next week where we promise you'll be terrified. Right? Uh, yeah, for sure. We. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrified. <laughs> right on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for uh having my back there dean yeah sorry sorry uh, about that that's all good uh i was hey, still hey. thinking about i was still thinking about spock <laughs> yeah that's a great call he man. was still he was still in my head yeah that was a great call i might try yeah. to i might try to photoshop that into a picture see what spock walking down <laughs> the new york street would great. look like great uh well, hey listen everybody uh thank you for tuning in uh if you'd like to help support us we would love that there's some easy ways to do it. You know, just tell your friends about an episode, send someone this episode right now, send it to a couple people, uh, or you can uh, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. There's a website called buy me a coffee. You can go and buy us uh, some coffees or you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com where you can get some exclusive episodes that can no other way be received. Did that sentence work? Yeah, I think I got it. You got that. it. Yeah, you got, got it. There. No other way. And now that this episode's over, don't worry. Head on over to BFOPnetwork.com. Check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like, or Dean will have sex with Gozer. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, I'd do it. I'd do it. The mo- Dean, the mo- movie was a little bit horny. A little bit horny. It was horny. horny. Movie, it was so, a horny movie, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't think about those ahead of time. They just kind of k- come out. Yeah. And uh, I thought we'd work you into the horniness, horniness of the movie. Listen, if Gozer's down, you know, I <laughs> I think I'm down too. I'm sure Gozer's down. Just okay. make sure to tell her you're a god. Okay, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if she asks me so, if I'm a god, I say yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right on. Dean, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list and decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal Mm. is a joke.